Good morning. It's already been a good day, hasn't it? Tyler, where are you at? Ivan? You know, someplace, yeah, I see. It's the biggest decision you guys ever make in your life. By far the biggest decision. And that decision will impact every other decision that you make. Rob Sullivan, Pete, Josh, the rest of your team, you guys have to be pretty doggone stoked. I celebrate what God does in the workplace. We talk about this all the time. Heritage is not what happens here on Sunday morning, but it's what happens seven days a week. If you're a business owner in the workplace, wherever, you are in ministry. It's not just about making a profit, but it's about making Jesus known. Thank you, Rob, for you and your team for seeking. And I, brother, I know you're not perfect. I know you. But it's amazing what God does with broken vessels when we allow him. And um, anyway, we celebrate that. Well, look, turn in your, take your Bibles. Can we spend just a couple of minutes in the Word today? Can we do that? I mean, we've got enough to celebrate, but I think we need to spend some time in the Word. So why don't you turn to Romans chapter 12? That's where we're going to be. We've made it all the way up into Romans 12. The past 11 chapters, we're completed with that now. And if we were to take and sort of simplify things down, we might say something along this line if we were to simplify it. What Paul has been talking about for the past 11 chapters is basically, okay, here are some things that you guys need to believe. This is what you need to believe. And what he's going to do now in the next five chapters is, okay, Based on these things that I've told you in reference to belief, now this is how you should behave. In light of everything that God has done, this is now how you should apply it to your life. And so that's sort of a synopsis of it here. This is the application of what Paul has been writing about up until this point. In light of the truths that I have been teaching you, this is how this is how to do it. I guess that's the way, you know, this is how you live. So we're going to take two verses today, and these two verses that we're going to look at up front in Romans chapter 12 and 1 and 2, what they sort of do is lay the foundation for everything else. They set the stage for everything else that we're going to see in the next five chapters. And with that being said, would you read with me this morning the first two verses in chapter 12 of Paul's uh, letter to the church at Rome? By the way, um, some of you, I just want you guys to know at the end of our service, what we're going to be doing is we're going to take a time to pray. We've got some students, some of our students are here, adults that are going to camp, they're scattered all over the place, There's some in the earlier service, but we want to be praying for our students um, as they get ready to go to camp, and we're going to do that at the end of the service. But I want to remind you about this in reference to the, to the book of, of Romans. You know, the Bible isn't just a book, but it's a collection of books written over a period of about 1,600 years by 40 different authors, um, over 40, there are 40 different generations. And these books are divided into, into two separate entities, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And the Romans, the book of Romans is a, is a letter that Paul himself, Paul would end up writing some third, uh, one-third, two-thirds, somewhere one-third of all the the, the books that we find in the New Testament. And this happens to be one of those books that Paul would write to the church at Rome. And Paul is writing to a place, a group of people that he had never met, but he's writing in anticipation of going, but he had heard about their faith. And this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so 
dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think, then you will know you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Would you pray with me today? Father, what a blessing it is to come into this place to recognize your authority. Father, to recognize your power, your sovereignty, and to say, Jesus, would you speak to us? You've given us your word. Now help us to talk about your word. May the Holy Spirit be, a, be the teacher in this place and Lord, may we today be looking for something that we can take out of here, take away from here, that's going to be an encouragement, a challenge to, to us as we live our faith in and out and around this world in which we live. Uh, Father, I pray for us today to have listening ears. Father, I pray today for us to have a heart that is receptive to that which you want to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have ever heard of Greyhound Racing? Okay. I don't know anything about Greyhound racing except what I've heard. I'm not into Greyhound racing. I guess it's, it's illegal now. Um, but it was a very popular sport for many years. Instead of running cars around a track trying to make it to the finish line, they would race these dogs named Greyhounds, which were very fast. Um, it was outlawed back in 20 and 21. And, uh, but I, I heard a story that didn't, it's sort of funny if you really want to know the truth. Uh, it was a story that the race didn't go as planned. And so, so you had these greyhounds, Kevin, and uh, they got them all in the line. They got them ready to go. And I guess they chased, chased this like mechanical rabbit. I don't know if it's fuzzy or what it is, but it, it takes around the track and these dogs are supposed to follow it. But anyway, so they get the dogs into places and the buzzer goes off, the doors open and the dogs take off and everything's really good. Every, it's really good until they get, you know, partway around the track and all of a sudden there's a malfunction. And Larry in this malfunction, this mechanical rabbit or whatever, it stops. I don't know if it blows up, poofs, or I don't know what it does, but it stops. And in the midst of it stopping, it caused all kinds of chaos because here are these dogs that, are, that know what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to chase this rabbit. And all of a sudden, this rabbit stops, mechanical rabbit. It's not a real rabbit, so take it easy, okay? So it stops. And in the midst of stopping, the dogs just go chaotic. Some of them attack this mechanical rabbit, and you got fuzz and stuff going all over the place. Some of them begin to attack, attack each other. Some of them just stop and sort of, you know, lay down, while others are just wandering around the, the track. And I know this is a dog story, but how applicable is this story to our own lives? I mean, here we are in life. We're trying to catch something that's on our attention. We're trying to obtain it. We want to grab something, but all of a sudden, things don't go as planned, and, and all of a sudden... There we are, out in the middle of nowhere, just like these greyhounds wandering around thinking, well, what in the world am I supposed to do now? Hopeless, confused. Now, there's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with chasing something, aiming at something. But as believers, we need to make sure of that which we're chasing and that which we're aiming at. Amen? Let me say that one more time. That was sort of a low, amen. We need to be assured of that which we're chasing after, that it's worth chasing after. Amen? Yes, very much so. So Paul today is basically going to say, he's going to tell us some things and he's going to simplify. To simplify what Paul would say to us, okay, based 
on the fact that Jesus died for us, we should live for Him. How we choose to live, our actions, um, the things, the choices that we make are all a response to our gratitude, to our devotion based on what we believe that Jesus has done for us. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to look at these two verses, two simple verses that are packed with some incredible things. But what I want to be the takeaway today is I want you to look at our response to God if we were to break it down into really three stages. Number one, the presentation of our bodies, which Tyler, you and Ivan, we saw what you guys did this morning. Jesus, here I am. Use me. I'm available. I want you to take me. I want, I want, I want, to, I want to let my life be a, a testimony to others that I've given my life. I want, you, I want to be baptized, not because it saves me, because I want the world to know that I want to follow Jesus. The presentation of our bodies, the transformation of our mind, and the apprehension of, of God's will. So starting off, look at what he says. Look at the audience, and so dear brothers and sisters, the audience that Paul is writing to specifically is to those believers, the Jews and Gentiles that were there at the church at Rome the time that he was writing. There are many different groups that Paul mentioned that he made reference to in his writing there to the church at Rome, but here specifically we see him writing to the professing believers there. And Paul makes this appeal based on the awareness of certain truths. In other words, guys, in taking in consideration everything that I've been writing up until this point, these previous 11 chapters, Paul said, this is, this is what I want you to understand. I plead with you to give your bodies to God in light of all that God has done for you. Man, I, I can identify with what Paul is saying. I plead with you in light of everything that God has done to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, I can't tell you how healthy it is to sometimes take those moments to reflect, to think back, just to consider all the blessings of God, His mercies, His grace. You know, thinking about the things that God has given us that we don't deserve, with, with any things that He's withheld from us that we do deserve, is I, especially as I look back on life. I mean, if you ever take those moments in time just to pause, a lot of times you're so busy. But if you ever take those times just to sit back, I mean, think about all the things that God has done and how blessed we are as individuals. I mean, I look back on my life and I, I see how blessed I was, how gracious God was in all the things surrounding my life. It wasn't the fact that I didn't have problems. There wasn't difficult times because there was. I mean, I, for goodness sake, I was in a lawnmower accident when I was four. They told me I'd never walk again. I had a sister who was born with Down syndrome, and you know, I mean, the difficulties and, the, and the, just the, the things that are involved in the midst of that when you're having to deal with that as a family. But I look back now on life and how God used that to deepen my devotion and my dependency on him. They were, they were moments of, of, they were faith builders. That's what they were. I mean, I think about my life in reference to, to Meredith and kids and, 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 and just all the stories. I think, about, I think about what God has done in reference to this church family. And how God has blessed us and how he has been so gracious. How in the world can you not think back, reflect, and consider and just be crazy, crazy um, humbled by all the things that God has done? Amen? There's a bunch of stuff. And here's Paul saying, in light of all this stuff, in light of what God has done, he said, let us be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is the way that we truly 
the way to worship him. In the, in the Old Testament, it would be the priest that would bring a sacrifice to the altar, to place it on the altar, to give as a sacrifice to the Lord. In the New Testament, we see um, what happened in the Old Testament was just a foreshadowing of Jesus. Because Jesus himself would hang on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins. We just got through celebrating the Lord's Supper, remembering Jesus as sacrificed. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter described us as believers, as holy priests. And the New Testament isn't an animal that's placed upon, the, that's sacrificed, but it's our relationship with Christ that could be described as a death to self. When Paul was writing to the church, um, to the church there at Galatia, Paul said something along this, this line, I'm crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, the faith I live, I live by uh, faith in God. My life I live, I live by faith in God and the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And Paul is saying here in Romans 12 that we are to be a living sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice. Living and holy. But how do we do that? I mean, how do we present our bodies? In, in, uh, in Paul's letter to the church at, at Corinth, he would say this, that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. In Jewish culture, the temple wasn't just a place that sacrifices were made, but it was also the center or the base of operations for the Jewish faith, for Jewish culture there in Jerusalem. And so our body is God's temple, and it, but it's a base it's a base of operation for God. Think about the people in the, in the scriptures that we find that, that presented themselves saying, here, God, use me. I mean, I think about Noah, I think about Moses, I think about David, I think about Esther or Mary or Matthew or Saul, the one who would eventually become Paul. I think about those people, but multitudes of others that says, here, Jesus, use me. I give you all that I have. I present my body to you for you to, for you to use me. Do you ever think about those things? God, here, here I am, use me. Send me, Lord. Send me. Before Christ, though, before Christ, before coming to a place of trusting Him, our, our body was not a base of operation for Jesus, but it was a base of operation for the enemy. The enemy. I want you to take your finger and put it on Romans 12, but I want you to flip over with me just for a second to Romans chapter 3. I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture. I want you to see something in comparison to, to light and darkness. This is what Paul would write in Romans 3, 12. He said, all have turned away and all have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. And now I'll look at what he says in reference to the parts of the body. Their talk, their talk is foul. Like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Boy, isn't that a picture? Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction, misery always follow them. and They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. And so here you see human depravity as described in the body. But just as once as it was used for evil, now in Christ we are a new person. There's a change that's taken place. Instead of our mouths being used for cursing and for bitterness, now it's used, should be used to bless 
and encourage and to share the hope that we have. Instead of our feet leading us to places of unrighteousness, now our feet are to lead us into places of righteousness and paths that are to do what is right. You know, the conversation these days are about how bad things are, whether it's gas prices, whether it's politics, whether it's uh, religion, mental health, violence, racial tensions, abortion. Man, the list just goes on and on. Those are the things that sort of grasp our attention, the things that we seem to talk about the most, if we're honest. But I want you to think about this for a second. What if in the morning time when you woke up, when you were to, to get out of the bed, that you were to recognize that you had the privilege of being God's representative? That in turn you had an opportunity to be part of what God's doing in the world that is so much out of control. That every day, Larry, when you get out of the bed to recognize that God is, man, listen, you're getting out of the bed, but you're getting out of the bed because you've got something to be done. That God's given you this purpose about being his representative in the world in which we live. And Paul says, listen, when we choose to live that way, when we choose to present our bodies as a sacrifice and we understand that we're God's ambassadors, he says that's how we worship. A lot of times we think, you know, worship is about singing songs and raising our hands and this feeling that we get. I'm going to tell you, feeling, your feelings can be off. What worship is, is how we choose to live. Anybody can sing. I see, see people singing. Man, I see some of the funniest things of people going down the road sometime. They must be really making some music in that vehicle. <laughs> I, was sitting at, I was sitting at a stop. Yeah, man, this guy, he's going on and he's singing. And I was thinking to myself, he has no clue. I'm sitting here watching him, you know. <laughs> probably one of those YouTubers. He's probably taping himself, getting ready to put it online. But. True worship is living in obedience, presenting what we have to God, saying, Lord, I'm yours. Use me. In light of everything that God has done in his goodness and mercy, the most logical, the most reasonable, responsible, and spiritual thing for me to do is to say, here, here I am, Jesus. Here I am. So the presentation of our bodies. But the second thought is the transformation of our mind. Look at what he says there in verse 2. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, if you look at this, there's a, there's a positive and there's a negative here. There, there's a negative and there's a positive. Okay, don't do this, but do this. Don't copy what's going on around you. Don't take your cues from the culture, the world in which you live. Instead, let God transform you into a new person. That's the negative side. Negative side, don't copy the customs and the behaviors of the world. In other words, don't do just what everybody else is doing around you. Don't do what everybody else is doing just because it's popular, because it's the end thing. The one commentary said this, don't let the world take you and squeeze you into its own mold. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? I mean, we're not talking to teenagers here. We're talking with adults. How many times as adults do we end up doing things that we know that we shouldn't do, but we do it because we don't want to be left out or have to stand out all alone? We do that, don't we, adults? How many times do we have to have something because somebody else has it? How many times do we have to wear certain clothes because somebody else has it or a color hair? It's really funny, and it's really funny if you watch people. You do this in student ministry. 
It's funny how people all, they have the ability. You know, one of the things I love about our student ministry is there's lots of differences. There's, there's lots of different people from different places, from different clothes and different social status and different schools and different colors and different backgrounds. But that's awesome. Because in their individuality, in their individuality, they're, they're becoming who God wants them to be. They're not being conformed to the world, but they're being transformed by the renewing of their minds. It's very difficult because how many of us, most of us, we're in that place, we, we don't crave rejection. We, we crave acceptance. Yet how many times do we cave in and conform and we'll do anything that it takes to, to fit in? We could call this maybe the principle of conformity. If you go back and look in the Old Testament, when, Jesus, when, when the Lord was bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt and taking them into the promised land, there were non-believers in, in both Egypt and in Canaan. And this is what the Lord said in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 18, as a matter of fact, I am the Lord your God. So don't act like the people in Egypt where you used to live or the people in Canaan where I'm taking you. You must not imitate their way of life. Now I want you to think about this. Be careful. Listen. But you must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees for I am the Lord your God. Don't follow the crowd. Follow me. Don't follow the crowd, but follow me. John 2, 1 John 2, 15, John would say it this way. Don't love this world nor the things it offers you. Instead of being conformed to the world, the behaviors, the customs, the activities, um, those things that are against God and under control of Satan. Paul said this, I want you to be transformed, metamorpho. I want you to, there needs to be a radical change. And how does that happen? By the renewing of our minds. I used to hear that statement growing up, a, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. How many of you remember that? Mind is a terrible thing to waste. And what was it that Jesus said? We are to love the Lord God with all our heart, our soul, and our what? And our minds. In his book, Renewing um, Your Mind in a Mindless World, James Montgomery Boyce wrote this. We live in mindless times, days in which millions of people are drifting along through life, manipulated by mass media, particularly television and social media, and hardly know it. Even Christians are unaware of thinking and living other than that of the secular culture that surrounds them. And then he went on to write, people are thinking anymore our people aren't thinking anymore and brain cells are seriously under-exercised. Contemplation has become an old-fashioned word with little place in our fast-paced, high-tech world. For thinking, we have substituted entertainment. Meredith and I went to the movies last night. You can judge me later. That's okay. And... Um, we had this conversation at some point. I think it was on the way home last night. Because while I was sitting there and I was previewing the movies that are coming, man, the buzzer in my head just kept going off. Beep, 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 beep. It's that, that truck backing up, you know. There were so many things that I was seeing on TV that is filling our minds that if you don't know God's word, You have to be careful. 
Our focus needs to be on God's word, not what culture has to say. There's a lot of stuff that culture, man, is just taking over, and the church is losing the battle because we don't know the word of God. I mean, it was stuff, and it was close. Some of it was just a little bit, and it was just a little bit. It's like the time I, Caleb and I were having the conversation. He said, Daddy, Daddy, 90% of what they're saying is true, but it's the 10%. That's all it takes. It's just a little bit and a little bit, but if you don't know God's Word, there are so many people sitting in churches today in buildings right now across America. I mean, their intentions are good but they're far away from the truth because they don't know God's word. They've given in and they think they're being spiritual because they come to church on Sunday morning and that's enough. It ain't enough people. That's why our nation is in the situation that it is. Where we set our eyes is the direction we will head. Where we set our eyes is the direction we will head. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the number of students and adults that are headed off to camp because what you guys are telling me when you get ready to leave tomorrow is that you, parents, those of you that have made the commitment to send your children, your kids, your students, students that have made the commitment to go, what, what you're saying to me is that you've set aside this time because you want to focus your attention on Jesus. That's a big deal. Sure, you're going to have some fun, but you're going to hear about Jesus and his word, and that is huge. So the presentation of our bodies, the transportation, transformation of our, of our minds, um, but hear about, about the third thing, the apprehension of God's, God's will. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By the way, stopping there. This, this is how we change it, God's word. But he goes on to say, then, here's the positive, then, don't do this, but then you will learn how God's will, uh, how, know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Do you know that God has a will for your life? Do you know that? It's not a mystery. It's not a secret. I mean, it's very, very simple. Reminds me of the story. How many of you guys like donuts in here? Don't you dare lie. So, so, so some of you will be able to identify with this uh, in the story. So, so there, there, was, there was this guy that worked in this business down in this community and um, this area. And there happened to be one of those donut stores that he passed all the time. And that donut store, you, you always knew when it was the right time to stop because there was that little sign that said, like, hot and ready, flashing, you know what I'm Y'all with me? It's like the one you can eat like 10 and not even blink an eye, you know? So he got into this habit. He liked donuts so much. He, he said, I, I, mean, I got to stop getting some donuts. So he'd get a dozen donuts and he'd go to work with a cup of coffee. And the guys, you know, this was all right, you know, and by the time he got, there might be two left by the time he got, so somebody might get one. I don't mean to be funny, but you can really eat a lot of those donuts very fast. So anyway... So uh, he started picking up some weight. He, he, you know, he just started at, he picking up some weight. And so the, they started making fun of him. And so one day he goes, all right, guys, look, I've had enough. 
All right, I'm cutting the donuts out. I'm making a commitment. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm not going to go by the donut store anymore. So everything went good for a while. What he did is he, he, he made a decision that he was going to go another way to get to work so he wouldn't bypass, he wouldn't bypass that donut store. Well, this one day he happened to bypass. He forgot what he was doing. He was just distracted, and he ended up down the same path. Pulled up to the same stoplight, and he didn't look over. But he just prayed, okay, Jesus, I've done blown it. But see, I know if it's your will that if I look over there and um, if the light's not flashing, I know it's not your will for me to stop. If it's flashing, it's, it's will for me to stop. And he looks up and the light is flashing. He said, okay, Jesus, let's try this one more time. So he said, um, he said look, if... If, if it's your will that I stop at the donut stop, not only is the light going to be flashing, but there's going to be a parking spot right up front because I know there's not going to be a parking spot because it's always full. And so anyway, so a little bit later, this guy's at work and they're like going, what are you doing? You got donuts. I thought you were committed to losing weight and you were going to eat more donuts. He goes, you're not going to believe it. He said, I'm just telling you, it was God's will. He says, God's will. He said, I pulled up. He said, I prayed. The sign was blinking. I'm like, even, okay, let's try this one more time. There's no parking spot. God, if you want me. And he said, listen, there was no parking spot. But after driving around that donut shop for seven times, <laughs> one finally opened up. So I know without a shadow of a doubt, it was God's will that I stop. And how many times do we treat God's will like that? A transformed mind will produce a transformed will. When we present our bodies, our minds are renewed, and we will want what God wants. Henry Blackaby said it this way, we don't choose what we will do for God. He invites us to join him where he wants to involve us. It isn't about being more committed, but it's about being more submitted. How many times do we try to fit God's will into our plans instead of trying to fit our plans into God's will? Blackaby went on to say in another writing, if Christians around the world were to suddenly renounce the personal agendas, their life goals and aspirations and begin responding in radical obedience to everything God showed them, this world in which we live would be turned upside down. How do we know it? Because that's exactly what happened when the first Christian century did, and the world is still talking about it. What did Paul have to say about God's will? He said it's good pleasing, and perfect. That word perfect, it means teleos, which means full-grown, mature, complete. We could use the word mature satisfaction. It's that feeling of yes, yes. So we're to present our bodies. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And to, appre be, to apprehend or to, to grasp, to, to understand what God's will is. And you know what God's will is? For us to live for him. We talked about it last week. To live in such a way with radical obedience that those around us go, I don't know what they got, but that's what I want. That's what I want. You know, when people see you out on the streets, what do they say about you? I was on the phone last night. Sometimes you can't get away with certain things. So this lady asked me, I was, I was talking to a business. Let me just say this right here. You better watch your bills because to everybody else, you're just a number. 
So I'm on the phone, and this lady says to me, Meredith laughs, she's like laughing at me. You're a pastor, aren't you? So how am I supposed to fuss about something when somebody says that? I was nice, I promise you I was. But you know, in response to what Jesus has done for us, can you imagine what this world would be like if those of us who called ourselves Christians were to truly present ourselves? If our minds were being renewed because we were reading what God's Word says and we were realigning our lives to fit it, that we would understand exactly what God wants us to do. I, I close with by saying this before we pray today. You know, a lot of times in the morning time, before I ever get out of bed, I'll lay in the bed, sometimes my eyes open, sometimes my eyes closed. But I'll just pray. I pray for the kids. Jesus, will you help them make good choices today? Because I know that today they're going to be confronted with things that I won't be there. Would you help them? I'll pray for Meredith and I because I know that there will be times that we'll be confronted with things that we'll have to make choices and they won't always be easy. Somewhere along the line, I'll, I'll, I'll say, Jesus, I want you to take this day and I want it to be yours. And I'll get out of the bed and, and I'll go get a cup of coffee. Either Meredith's either fixed coffee or I've fixed coffee. And I'll go sit down and I'll spend time and I'll begin to read and pray and talk to Jesus. But my time with Jesus isn't just every day in the morning time. I talk to Jesus all the time. And I go into the day usually with an agenda of things that I feel like I need to accomplish. That's usually, that's usually already written down the night before. But I can't tell you how many times my plans are interrupted by God's plans. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's a visit. Maybe it's an email. I don't know. But over the years, in the middle of those interruptions, I've always been able to find rest. Sometimes I have to, I have, to be honest, sometimes I have to take a step back. I have to take a step back and recognize that in the midst of my day, God's got a plan for my life. And I've got to turn it back over to him. There are times that I go into my day and there are things that I've got to get done and that's just on my mind, get it done, get it completed, get it finished. Yet there are those interruptions, and if I'm smart enough, I will take a step back and go, okay, Jesus, you're doing something here. Help me join you in what you're doing. Because if I'm honest, things aren't always going to go as planned. But when those times happen, at the end of the day, when I look back and I reflect, I can't tell you how many times I go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. There's no other better way to live, people. And over these next five chapters, Paul is going to address to us these actions of how we've talked about what to believe, but now how are we supposed to behave? But at the center of all of that, people, is his word. I'll say it to you again. What you get here on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday, it's not enough for you. It's not enough. If this is all you're getting, you will be completely malnourished at best and sickly. You won't be able to make the distinction between right and wrong, good and bad, light and darkness when you enter in the world 
because we have a tendency of leaning into that which everybody else is doing. But the Bible tells us that, listen, we're not of this world. We're just a, we're just a pilgrim passing through. And watching that stuff last night on the film, and as good as the film was, and I was, you know, it just reminded me in that split second, our, our people are being bombarded with messages that are not anything close to what God's Word says. You better watch out. And you better know God's Word. If you're a student, if you're an adult that's going to camp, we would love to be able to pray over you guys today in our time. We'd love to be able to, to have this time that we're able to just, just to cover you in prayer. And so what I'd like for you guys to do this time, if you're going to camp with us, I'd like for you guys, if you would just come and if you would just stand in the aisle, wherever you are, just stand in the aisle and spread out. Um, we want to pray for you. Come on. You guys upstairs, y'all just come on down. If you guys would just just spread out throughout this, some can come stand up here, stand on the sides, just come down in the middle. Um, what I have asked is, I've asked if Jay would would pray over um, us this morning. Those of you guys that are going to camp, I just while you still are getting it, come on down here. It's not nobody's gonna bite you down here. Come on, come on, huh? Oh, oh come on down. Y'all can just fill in here. You don't have to bunch y'all up. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. I, I want to say this to you as you guys get ready. You're going to have an incredible time. You've got an incredible leader. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say in Chrissy and Mike, not, not Mike. I'm going to say Chrissy, share her being it, right, Chrissy, you're number one, and then Mike. And so, um, but you guys have great leadership, not only in these two, but also in the adults that are going uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys, Meredith, and I'll see you on Wednesday. But we're praying that God's going to do some incredible things as you guys are seeking after him. And as you guys are, are desiring for your mind to be transformed. And so, um, just in this time, Mike, is there anything you want to say before Jay prays? I want to know you got something to say. Come on. You got nothing? That's the first time. Oh, you are. I got it. Can we pray over you guys today? Yeah. Go ahead, Jay. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for the adults who are responsible for all these children. I want to pray for the, not children, but uh, students as they're going to camp. God, I just pray that while they're there, uh, a couple things would happen. One, I pray that the name of Jesus would be proclaimed. I pray that the gospel would be proclaimed. God, I pray that in both the students and the leaders, God, that you would impress the gospel on their hearts, that they would understand that it's not a starting point that you move from, but God, it is the center spoke that affects every aspect of our lives for the rest of our lives. God, I pray that there would be um, excitement. I pray that there would be uh, a great move of the Spirit, God. I pray that it would not be something that's temporary. I pray that it would ch cause change. We know that it is not the speakers, it is not the worship leaders that cause change. It is your spirit, God, Amen. that changes hearts. 
your spirit transforms lives. God, Psalm 119 says that you do good and you are good, so teach me your statutes. And I pray that because you are who you said you are, because you have done the things that you've said you would do, that you died for us, that you were resurrected, and that you had invited us to come into your family, God, that we would accept that invitation, that you would move in their hearts, God, that they would be agents of change as they go back to school. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, as you guys are leaving today, maybe you see one of these students, just pat them on the shoulder and say, I want you to know I'm going to be praying for you today. And in turn, students, if you would pray for these adults, because as they go, they too have an opportunity to be a light for Jesus in this world. You guys have an incredible week this week. You be praying for our students. Thank you.